0: talk show for all things automotive from the latest news to the greatest views and the biggest names in rolling iron your host is brett hatfield freelance auto journalist senior auction analyst for sports car market magazine and
1: american car collector magazine writer and editor of readthedriven.com and owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now in the driven radio show Thank you for listening to Driven Radio. We know your time's valuable, so we work hard to bring you the best in automotive content and interviews. You can listen to us online at ReadTheDriven.com on iTunes, Pippa, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. Please follow us on Facebook at Ford Slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and on Instagram at Read the Driven. We're coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield, here with my co-host Vern Estes. Oh, hi. Shelby expert and owner of the world's lowest volume car dealership, and our intrepid engine Matthew Hickman. This week we've got news about the forthcoming 2020 Shelby Mustang GT500 and our special ga- guest will be Drew Alcazar, owner of Russo and Steel Collector Car Auctions. Um let's talk about that Shelby. That thing's Every
2: not... week we go between
1: Shelby or Corvette news, Shelby news or Corvette news, yeah. Shelby, well, news, could,
2: Corvette news, I, Shelby I, news. I know and everybody probably hates us and is really tired of hearing about both of them, but we can't talk about Camaro anymore, so at least we got to fill the space something. And until
1: they say Okay, it's not dead, and it's not on a shelf, and we are actually going to do another Camaro. We got nothing there. The Challenger is the Challenger. It's been the Challenger forever until they come out with another weird 900-horsepower version of that thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That pretty well covers it for American pony cars, and we talk about Ferrari stuff, but neither of us is really a Ferrari guy. No. Mm -mm. So can't pay those bills uh, yeah no kidding you and I always wind up uh, just going back to what we know and what we know is Corvette Shelby muscle car and kind of stuff like that mm-hmm. anyway I saw this blurb online it was you know when you see the headline every now and then you stop and you look at it and you say wait what there was an article that came out this week, a couple different venues, that said they've done a 0 to 100 to a 0 test on the new Shelby GT500. Yeah, so- and
2: I just love the timing of it. It's, it's like car well, news is kind of like politics, where if one side does something of politics, there's all of a sudden some yeah, sort yeah, of breaking yeah. news on the other side to distract. Well, the Corvette comes out, and right away you have Shelby engineers and, and was, Ford engineers. That was
1: great big news. The Corvette was was fantastic news, sure. and
2: is going to it's going to be neat to see what the dynamic winds up being with that i couldn't agree more but that said
1: this is a pretty staggering
2: figure now it, well when you consider that a 427 cobra in 1965 that's exactly what i was going to bring up of course you know about that that 427 cobra yeah ken miles on lax runway yeah. 0 to 100 to 0 and 13.8, 13, eight, which at the time that was seen as impossible. almost impossible to believe. Yeah, that was staggering. And that record, so far as I know, and I'm not 100% certain, but I'm 95% of the way there, that was not broken by a production car until the 1989 F40.
1: Yeah, it stood so for So it stood a for a long very long
2: time. time. 427 Cobra SE is what set it. And that car is arguably one of, if not the first, truly exotic cars ever made
1: well uh, that you
2: might th- call like the 55 Goldwing wing exotic or you might yeah. call it it's hard to say but it might be the first exotic car because well, that was so it's exotic unusual. now and so then you think about you trim 3.2 seconds off of that time which is like it's basically trimming off what is probably going to be the 0 to 60 time of the gt 500 off of that time now we have one of our guests here in the studio. Chong win
1: who's here with us uh, Chong uh, own Revline uh, a, a high performance auto shop and he's a knowledgeable guy Chong welcome. Hello. Thanks for being here. Now, he knows what fast is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zero to 100 time, what is considered legitimately fast. Now, not for the stuff that you build, because you build stuff that's, you know, rocket-like,
0: but... Uh, Zero to 100, I see a lot of, I would say, Camaros, about eight-second range. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, zero to 100, and then back to stopped. Back to... Mm, that's one performance aspect I really never followed so that I wouldn't have any idea on He doesn't that. like slowing down he only <laughs> well no of course, so negative Of course he doesn't but <laughs> obviously slowing down from 100 miles an hour Oh yeah that's been a benchmark for a while it's just for some reason that's one performance spec that I just never paid attention to
1: So they're they're saying with the new co- with the new Shelby GT500 10.6 seconds from a dead stop to 100
2: miles an hour back to a dead stop and what's even maybe more shocking is that they're saying you can do it in the less than the length of an aircraft carrier flight deck (laughs) which of course we were talking before the show about like how nervous would you be if you actually had because of course that's like a simulation number that's like all perfect conditions well and
1: they mark it out on a
2: a runway or something i want to see Yeah where imminent death does not wait at the end of the test but like yeah you imagine if you actually were tasked with doing that how nervous you would be to get a perfect launch all conditions have to be perfect tires are perfect surface is perfect well you want the to have stopping the, you, is you perfect. want to have
1: the number you want to be able to produce that number for
2: and if you accidentally go too fast then you're really screwed if you well, accidentally go to 103 or 105 then you're probably really in trouble and
1: not only are you going to destroy a very nice car sure you're going to be in it mm mm-hmm. mhm and uh you know, above the atlantic ocean probably <laughs> you know
2: ice cold water
1: i was thinking pacific yeah well, southern california just yeah.
2: launch right off the end of the deck mm-hmm. i'm not sure it makes a difference when you're nose diving into the ocean in a, in a 4200 pound car
1: well furthermore you ever seen an aircraft carrier up close mm-hmm. it, it's not like that thing's really right down on the surface no you're gonna sail for a minute before you hit water
2: mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, kind of interesting to ponder. It's an interesting piece of news, and it's just more, it's really just kind of a shocking number. But, well, the other thing with the 10.6 is. What will the Corvette do if it's less than three seconds for the. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting. just lay their hands on it. Mm-hmm. This is the only stat we've got on the new Shelby. You so have far. to think that the Corvette will be faster, 0 to 60, because they're saying sub threes, and the, even the Ford engineers are saying mid to low threes for the GT500. So they're not even setting the expectation of. Yeah, of a two but second. you've got, you know, front
1: engine versus now mid engine, so interesting to see how that works out but the uh the other Comes part out of that break. is we haven't seen a zero to 60 time on the mustang yet we've gotten some speculation mm-hmm. but we haven't seen a real one this is the first stat they gave us zero to 100 to zero a bugatti veyron does it in almost 10 flat i think it's nine eight or nine nine mm-hmm So and a Veyron now sells for what two and a half to three million
2: dollars? He comes with what, like a twenty thousand dollar oil change. Every like thirty. Yeah, it's something
0: ridiculous. Chong says he can do it for fifteen though. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I'm done. No more uh, business and no more shop for me. Yeah, that's it. Uh,
1: so you're talking about a seventy-five thousand
2: dollar car, roughly, that will do a zero to a hundred to zero within. But I'm sure that that time is carbon fiber wheels. So you're actually talking about a. Well, no, to no, 100. no.
1: There, there was a bunch of stuff they had in the article. They were talking about the carbon fiber wheels, mm-hmm.
2: uh, super sticky
1: Michelin Pilot Sport Cup two tires. Uh, they've got a carbon brake package with 16 and a half inch rotors on the yeah. front
2: end. So, with the carbon fiber wheels, you're talking a carbon package car. So, you're probably at 100 grand, but even still, that's really fast for 100 grand.
1: You can buy 25 of those for what it costs to buy a Veyron. Sure. You could have a fleet. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, start driving for Uber. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, Mustang from a zero. To 100, back to zero. Based on a rental car. God bless America.
2: You gotta love it. It's Mm. a great time to be a car guy or girl. I'm looking at you, Matt. And just think, anybody can just walk into a showroom and buy one of those missiles. That's what I love about the Hellcat. That's what I love about ZL1 Camaros and GT500s. Any random guy with absolutely... No business driving something oh, like absolutely. that can just walk into any American car dealership and buy a weapons grade type of car like absolutely. that. Absolutely, And that's kind
1: of the conversation we were having about the Corvette last week. It's just accessible. Mm-hmm. It's accessible. You know, what was considered strictly hyper car range just a few years ago now if you've got a a decent job and your credit union likes you you can go out and get weapons grade Mm -hmm. nuclear grade performance Mm -hmm. in just about any american car dealership you gotta love that coming up next we'll have drew alcazar owner of russo and steel collector car auctions here to talk about the monterey sale they've got coming up all the cool stuff they're going to be selling and what his thoughts on the market are right now that and a lot more coming up on driven radio To Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. Our special guest this week is Drew Alcazar. Uh, he's the owner of the Scottsdale-based Russo and Steel Collector Automobile Auctions. Drew and his wife, Josephine, launched Russo and Steel in 2000. They specialize in European sports cars, American muscle cars, street rods, and customs. Following decades of experience in the collector car industry, Drew wanted to create an auction that catered to the true enthusiast and set the highest standards in the hobby. With Russo and Steel, Drew and company are giving all of us, uh, connoisseurs, collectors, uh, followers, auto journalists, baby boomers, and a new generation of aficionados, uh, an opportunity to lay our hands on all of the coolest stuff available. Drew, welcome back to Driven Radio. Hey, Brad,
3: thanks for having me.
1: So, Monterey is one of your three major sales that you put on every year, along with uh, uh, Scottsdale and your newly minted Amelia Island sale. Um, it's also the, the prettiest venue by a long shot. Fisherman's Wharf is gorgeous. how many years have you been put doing the sale at Monterey?
3: This will be our nineteenth year on the waterfront in Monterey. If you could believe it, it's uh, it's gone by in the blink of an eye. I think Josephina was going to practically put my head on a stick right after we got done doing our very first auction in Scottsdale in two thousand. Uh, I told her that we're we're going to Monterey in August, and she <laughs> she about had a litter of kittens. But uh, we went up to Monterey, and for thirteen years we actually had it at the Marriott Hotel uh, right downtown uh, in the second floor ballroom, if you can believe it or not, we'd actually take the cars into the second floor no room and have the auction there. But um, I guess it was, what, uh, almost seven years ago now that uh, the city of Monterey did us a favor and uh, got us a beautiful location uh, right there at uh, on Fisherman's Wharf, uh, right next to the marina on the waterfront in Monterey. And it really is a spectacular venue.
1: So I know you've been busy. You and I have been talking back and forth a little bit. Every time I call you, it sounds like there's 800 things going on in the background. How is your sale at Monterey shaping up this year?
3: Monterey's looking good. We're really excited about it. We've got some great cars. Really, really so fun. Fun stuff. I uh, feels like every day I turn around, I, I I got more cars that I that I'm going to be excited to see when they arrive. We've got uh, for the Shelby American aficionados, we've got probably two of the preeminent Shelby American cars, a very early two digit 65 uh, GT350 that was actually built in the Venice plant before Shelby moved to the airport facility. So it was uh, built along the Cobras and the GT40s. The very early, about the first less than 50 cars were built at venice and this is car number 47 so that's super exciting and then the twin mate to it is a very late production uh 289 cobra which of course uh For Cobra enthusiasts, uh, the very late cars have all the Ford electrics. They have the rack and pinion steering, of course, the 289 and the alternator uh, electrics. Uh, So really, it's the the final incarnation of the 289 Cobra is the most desirable. And this is a very late production car. I believe it's CSX 2328, if I remember correctly. I believe it is. For the Shelby crowd, uh, yeah, for the Shelby crowd, uh, they're going to be very excited about those bookings. Uh, Of course, we've got a spectacular Ford GT coming. It feels like every auction you go to, there's a Ford GT, but you really got to stop down and see the car that we have uh, in Monterey this year. It was one of the 10 cars that was actually commissioned by the designer of the Ford GT, uh, Camillo, uh, Camillo Pardo, that uh, Camillo actually was the designer of the car originally, and then he took 10 cars and did a custom design in terms of their color scheme and a couple of little accoutrements. They deleted the bumpers and things like that. And actually made 10 Camelo editions, and they were all different. They were all commissioned and they all have different names. Uh, this one's actually called Mercury 7 in that it's painted with almost a chrome silver paint with almost a, a gulf livery orange stripe on the nose, big number four racing number on the side on, on the uh, on the rock out But uh, a spectacular four GT. And, and really, uh, those cars will always be collectible, but this is a complete step above. We've got that. We've got, oh, I, I could go on and on. But uh, we've
1: really And got, we're going to give that you that a chance to there. here in just a second. <laughs> we're going to ask you about a lot <laughs> of the stuff you've got. Uh, we're seeing some predictions about the sales at Monterey being up as much as 7% this year. Do you think that's accurate, more or less?
3: You know, I, 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 I think the market is very, very stable right now. Uh some people would say that it's time for a little bit of a bull run. Uh things have been fairly even since two thousand and fifteen. So if you look at sort of that correction that occurred shortly thereafter it would indeed seem as if we're poised for a bit of a bump uh, there certainly is a lot of money being spent in other sectors in construction uh, the success of the market of course so there is indeed a bit of a prediction that we'll see a, a bump in Monterey this year and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that trickles through but uh, I, you know we're certainly uh, enthusiastic about the market coming up I, I don't I think this is going to be a great opportunity for some people to buy some really spectacular, significant cars. Whether the market's up or whether the market's down, that's always the key. It's the people that think that they're trying to find bargains all the time. But bargains, ultimately the pedals fall off the rose of a bargain because a bargain's a bargain for a reason. The reason that buyers are not paying a premium price for something is chances are they probably know more than everybody else. So always check when somebody thinks, oh my God, they're stealing that car. Don't go running up on the option block raising your hand unless you really had a tools to look at it. Because truthfully, the really, really good cars, the cars that you will covet in your collection for years to come, more often than not, when I talk with my uh, fellow enthusiasts and clients, they tell me I really paid up for that car when I bought it. So, truthfully, the best cars are the ones that you pay up for. And based upon what I can tell, uh, not only with our inventory, but across the board at Monterey, there's going to be some great opportunities to get some really significant, really, really good quality cars.
1: We're speaking with Drew Alcazar, owner of uh, Russo and Steel Collector Car Auctions. Drew, uh, you got a lot of stuff that's coming up, and it's there's a lot of cool things. When I was uh, researching all the cars that are going to be there uh, earlier this week, I kind of had to pare it down to the ones I really wanted to ask you about. You've got so much really great stuff coming. One of the things that caught me off, though, is somebody really running a 2018 Ferrari 4088 GTB with no reserve?
3: <laughs> they are. And it is genuinely no reserve. Because I asked the same question, Brett. I says, look, don't come to Russo and Steel thinking that there's going to be some hanky-panky here. You know, you having your buddies bid on the car, run the car up. You know, it's just, you know, what's the story here? What are we really doing? Tell me what's happening here. I want to make sure if we're putting a no-reserve sticker on the windshield, it's going to be sold to the highest bidder regardless of price. And so my concern was, you know, hey, gee, did something happen to the car? Was it, you know, was there a a Carfax issue? Was there an accident? Was there a, uh, you know, a salvage situation? Was there, you know, was there drama in some way, shape, or form? None, absolutely none. This is a brand new car. I literally loaded it on the truck this afternoon from Scottsdale. He sent it here so that we could photograph it properly, have it properly detailed. It just got loaded on a truck. I loaded it myself. It is in as new, pristine condition. No stories whatsoever. The gentleman's from back east and he said, Look, I just have a lot, a lot of cars. And I never drive this one. And it's a point to where it's just sad to see it continue to sit in the corner. And he said, you know what? I believe in the Monterey market, and I think it's as strong as it is anywhere. Take it to Monterey and sell the car, no reserve. So it is as straight up a brand new, no stories, no reserve 488 Ferrari as ever is going to be on the planet. So everybody should be there with the hand in the air that night. You've
1: got something that looks like the grown-ups version of a go-kart. Uh, for guys who know what this is, you, they all know how fun this is. But tell us about the 2016 Ariel Adam you've got. <laughs> yeah,
3: I- I joked when we got that car, you know, about the only thing that's missing there in that barrel of fun of monkeys is the nails for the coffin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're talking about basically an open roadster wheel car. It's basically an open wheel car that's got an engine and... The seat in it. It does, it does zero to 60 in like, what is it, three point something seconds? It, it, it's, it's insane. I, I, I don't even know how to explain. I don't, I don't even know if that's necessarily a car. That is just a rocket ship that happens to have some tires and wheels associated with it. Uh,
1: we already got a chance to talk about the, uh, the 2005 Ford GT coupe, but there is a car that I saw, uh, that's coming up and it's a, it looks like a, I'm pretty sure it's the same 300SL Gullwing I saw in Amelia, is it?
3: It is. The gentleman that purchased the car at Amelia Island immediately put the car into restoration. When you see this car, Brett, it is absolutely stunning. Everything has been gone through with it. It was a wonderful original car it in... Looked- it looked great Island. at
1: Amelia. It it's had more work done since it, then.
3: Yeah, it would have been—it would have made a wonderful driver if you want to, you know, Copper State, uh, you know, uh, 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 what am I trying to say? Any of the road rallies, California Amelia, that type of stuff. But truthfully, he took the car and gave it. All of the love that it needed. All the bright work's been done. All the paint's been done. The interior's been completely redone. Fitted luggage was made for the car. It's, it's, it truly, when you see it, it now it is absolutely exactly the way it should be. It really, it really took the steps that it needed. So we're, we're excited about that. That, that's another car that uh, was just loaded uh, moments ago on a transport truck. And uh, I got the pleasure of being able to drive it on the truck to get it locked down personally. And I can tell you it is magnificent. We're
1: speaking with Drew Alcazar, uh, owner of Russo and Steel Collector Car, automob- or collector car Auctions. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue our discussion of some of the more interesting cars that Drew has and his hopes for the auction coming up here on Driven Radio. back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, when we left, we were talking to Drew Alcazar, uh, owner of Russo and Steel Collector Automobile Auctions, about Russo's uh, Monterey sale coming up at Fisherman's Wharf. Um, now, we just talked about that 300 SL Gullwing, and that is a gorgeous car. It was gorgeous when I saw it at Amelia in March, and it sounds like it's even more so now. You've got a car coming up that I know a little bit about because I had to help a buddy of mine find one a few years ago when they were still... Semi, I I don't want to use the word cheap because that doesn't apply, but affordable. Uh, Tell us about the 2005 Ferrari Super America Coupe you've got.
3: You know, great car, nice car. The Super Americas will always have that sort of name cachet with them. Uh, It's always great when you're uh, kind of sitting around Ferrari circles and the the topic comes up. uh, So what Ferrari do you have? And you get to have that wonderful name, uh, sort of go off your tongue super america <laughs> so it's they're fun cars in that regard this is a really nice car uh, it's got a few miles on it but i think uh, those are the ways that you want to buy those cars cars with a few miles that have been well maintained well serviced well cared for and really condition on those cars is everything uh, the glass flip top on a super america is i don't even i can't even fathom what one of those would cost would you have to buy a replacement to glass top from ferrari i actually uh, today, know even if you could <laughs> <No>. okay <laughs> (laughs) I I looked it up when we were shopping. What's the number?
1: It's thirty grand. They're thirty. They're thirty grand. It's
3: that cheap. (laughs) I figured it would be a hundred.
1: Well, a few years back, they were thirty grand. I don't know. I'm. I'm sure they only made a certain number of them, and supply is dwindling. But uh, uh, about, I think it's been five years ago. I helped a friend of mine here in Kansas City find one, and they were thirty G's then.
3: Wow. Wow. Well, that's uh, the joys of Ferrari ownership.
1: (laughs) Well, they only made 559 of them, and I think the U.S. got 300 of those or thereabouts.
3: I think you're in the ballpark. Yes, indeed.
1: Um, now, I've got my co-host Vern sitting next to me, and he's going nuts because you've got
2: uh, some really cool stuff that's very much in his wheelhouse. Go ahead,
1: have at yeah, it. I, I mean, know you're
2: dying to ask. Yeah, I mean, as far as Ford stuff, you know, funny enough, I got into Ford Broncos, Brett, four or five years ago when I thought that they were a cheap way to have fun as opposed to blasting around in Shelby's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And ever since, they've become less cheap. That's well, because you so, started buying them. Well, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I'm on uh, my own. I I am my it's own worst enemy at times. Well, that's so. why I want you to start buying brick noses so mine will go up. There you go. Well, uh, you know, Drew, tell us about that uh, that 74 you've got on offer.
3: Well, you're absolutely right there, Vern. The cat is out of the bag. Uh, Bronco mania, as I call it, uh, being a Denver Broncos fan, I sort of have to go back to uh, the, <laughs> the red days. And I'm, I'm coining that phrase now. Bronco mania has really raged for the last several years. And I think the great thing about it is that you're seeing – uh, enthusiasts restore some of these Broncos to just you know, places that you never would have imagined before. Certainly the
2: factory would have never value. imagined it. So
3: yeah, it's, it's really something else. So I think that's, that's the fun part, uh, for me is to see people, uh, now with the value of those cars rising to a point uh, mm-hmm. that can justify, you know, that type of quality workmanship. There's some really, really nice pieces, uh, coming into play. And, and, uh, I, I is, it, is it, I think it's grabber orange, the car, the, the, the one that we have, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. I, I think it's uh, almost a grabber orange color. Sure. Uh, done with, uh, I think the thing I like about it is, is sure they did some custom touches to it, but they didn't go overboard with it. They didn't try and make it like a monster Bronco kind of craziness. It's cool, of course, you know, lifted big tires, flares, all that kind of stuff, but they've actually got the original Bronco seat you still go. in it. Yeah. yeah. The, the little low back Bronco seats, you know, with white upholstery that should really, and it kind of Hamlet has that vintage kind of 70s look to it with that, uh, grabber orange with that white low back seat uh, still inside. There. So those are some things I liked uh, specifically about that Bronco we've got.
1: We're speaking with Drew Alcazar, owner of uh, Russo and Steel Collector Car Auctions. Um, you told us a little bit about that, uh, the 289 Cobra the CSX 2328. I'm dying to see that. That's going to be the second one you've had in the last few years, isn't it?
3: Well, I think a lot of people know that uh, Drew Cathar in his former life uh, really specialized in his restoration shop, California, with uh, the Shelby American cars. Uh, we did probably more Shelbys and Cobras than, than even most of the folks left on the planet, even to this day. Uh, this is shoot going back into uh, the early and mid-80s. So those cars are things that we know quite a bit about. We know our way around them. We know how to represent them properly, certainly can and counsel and guide clients in terms of which ones to buy and so forth. And so I think a lot of folks look to Drew and Russo and Steele to, you know, to bring those real special cars to market because they know that we can properly represent them and really talk about how special they are. Shelby, Shelby American cars are, they're, they're, there's, there's a bit of a lore to them, but it, there's, there's also science that goes along with it when you talk about early production cars versus late production cars, the differences between them. There is a dramatic difference between a 65 GT350 and a 66 GT350. You know, most people say, well, you know, okay, so you got choice of five colors and you got a back seat in a sixty six. What's the big deal? I cannot share with people how different the experience is, not only in the ownership and the driving and the collectibility, but in every single aspect. A 65 GT350 is a completely different car. But that's also the reason why it's three times what a 66 is, which in some ways makes a 66 a great buy and a great bargain. But the connoisseur enthusiasts, the real collectible cars, the real collectors are always going to gravitate to a 65. They're when you start talking about Cobras, of course, there's a big, wide, wonderful world there. A, Cobras got run hard, a lot of them got hung up wet, getting cars that don't have drama, don't have stories, you know, launched off into a cliff, watered up into a ball of tinfoil, set on fire, somebody died in it. You know, getting a car with nice, clean history, no drama, well-known ownership. The little 289 that we've got in Monterey coming up actually has the canceled check when the gentleman bought it brand in I think it was December of 1964, he bought it and it paid $5,300 for it. And there's actually a vintage photograph of him sitting at it the day he took delivery of it. That's staggering. So some great documentation that goes with it. Um, again, it's a late car. The early cars had 260s. They also had uh, uh, a and Sector steering, so a little bit arcade. Uh There's the, a much more comfortable car to drive, a late series Cobra that has the rack and pinion steering and the Ford Electricals with a genuine 289 up front. But uh, I, I jumped in it the other day, again, to get it loaded into a truck to go to Monterey. And it's amazing the smile that that car not only brings to your face because you're sitting in it, it just feels so good that wood ripped steering wheel looking right at you and the little tiny pedals off to one side but everybody around you is smiling everybody says the same thing that car sounds so good because nothing sounds like a 289 Cobra. Uh,
1: you're absolutely right um you also have uh, some interesting mopar stuff you've got a 70 Challenger RT convertible and plum crazy purple, and that thing had a laundry list of cool stuff going on for it. Why don't you tell me about that?
3: Well, you know, that's one that I don't, I haven't really had a chance to sneak on much. Uh, you know, I, I there's so many cars that have been coming in so hot, hard, fast, and heavy. I've been having to concentrate on making sure that uh, my team's up, cut, and go. So, I don't really have a lot of deals on the plum crazy Mopar, but gosh, you know, what other color would you want a Mopar in? Plum crazy. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> where, where do you go? go from there, but uh, I know it, I, it's a 440 car, if I remember correctly. I believe it is. Uh, so, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to get a seamless plug-in for the Russo and Steel website because a lot of these kind of things, and the rest of our inventory and great details on all the cars, photographs, and so forth, are all there on the com website. uh and, Super easy, R-U-S-S-O-A-N-D-S-T-W-E-L-E dot com. I uh, encourage everyone to go and uh, spend some time perusing some of the great inventory that we're going to have coming up uh, in Monterey, inclusive of our plug crazy uh, challenger here. Well, speaking
1: of the website, there was something on there that you're probably going to have to kick me out of about 14 times over the weekend. Uh, You've got a 70 Chevelle SS LS6 Coupe with a four-speed in Hugger Orange and
3: the pilot car yeah isn't that cool <laughs>
1: is that the pilot car you
3: know, in, yeah yeah anytime that you can get that kind of those pieces of, of automotive history and, and that's the pilot chevelle uh that came that way so that's you know that's the first of the chevelle started the whole 396 big block and hugger orange kind of sort of craze i i've always believed that, that year chevelle almost looks like it was born in that color orange. I, I wouldn't know Chevelle in any other color, to be honest with
1: you. And here's the here's the one that uh, I think a lot of people are going to want to see and they're going to want to know about. You've got a one-of-one factory-built electric Copo Camaro drag car. Uh, <laughs> it, tell, tell us all about that because a lot of people aren't going to be familiar with the Copo cars. So... Uh, Give us a little education.
3: COPO. That's one of my great uh, sort of uh, trivia questions when I'm on the auction block. I always uh, give out a couple of free drink tickets if somebody can tell me what the, the acronym COPO actually stands for.
1: Do I get to of earn mine it now? <laughs>
3: Go ahead, go ahead. Central no. office production order. There you go. There we go. All right, couple of drink tickets coming your way in Monterey. Groovy. Central office production order. So, again, a very uh, special car that was delivered that way from the factory. But then you can always thank the SEMA think the show to take something and taking it one step farther. And, of course, they did uh, with this particular Copo Camaro uh, with the whole. Uh, and, and, of course, this was a SEMA car, so it's it's taking every aspect to the, to the degree Uh, with the whole electric uh, sort of craze. I mean, it it sure beats driving a Prius with a Bernie sticker on it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I would, I would say so. Uh, we've been talking with Drew Alcazar, owner of Russo and Steel Collector Car Auctions, and, uh, we've been discussing the auction they've got coming up in Monterey, August uh, 14th through the 17th. Uh, you can find them at Fisherman's Wharf, probably one of the most beautiful settings for a car auction there's ever been. You can find Russo and Steel online at russoandsteel.com. Find them on Facebook. And as as always, you can find these links on readthedriven.com. Coming up in Exit Lane Live, we've got Chong Nguyen with us to discuss Rides for Hope KC, a Kansas City group of specialty car owners who gives rides to those who are suffering from debilitating health issues. Coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. In studio with us this week is Chong Nguyen, founder of Rides for Hope KC, a Kansas City-based group of specialty car owners who give rides to those who are suffering from debilitating health issues. Chong, welcome to Driven Radio. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, We love that you're here. Thank you for coming in. Um, So, for those who don't know you, uh, what is your automotive background?
0: Uh, I've been pretty much in the automotive industry for a while, started off just doing tires at NTB, had a couple of jobs at Firestone, became a Lexus technician at 19. And really? Then, yeah. And then I kind of broke off and did my own thing. So I opened up an automotive shop called Revline Motors, uh, pretty much built, tuned Hondas, you know, so we did performance and just regular maintenance too. And you've
1: got a, a couple of really cool cars that we were talking about, and I'm dying now, I want to go for a ride. Uh, <laughs> Tell us now, and it was kind of fun having you here when Drew was talking about the Ariel Adam, Mm -hmm. because you got a pair.
0: Well, I had two. I'm down to one right now. Okay, well, tell us about the... The one you've got and the one you had? Uh, The one I had was a 2006. It was powered by a GM uh, Ecotech Supercharged. Made 230 of the wheels. You know, pretty fun. It was 1,350 pounds. 230 and 1,350 pounds. Yeah, so probably like... So that's like 750 in a normal car. Mm, Kind of. I mean, it doesn't really equate one-to-one like a transfer like that, but they're pretty fun. That's close enough. Mm-hmm. And the one you still have now, uh, the one I still have now, it's a 2011 SRA Atom, which is a spec race atom, and uh, pretty much had a. We had my friend do a custom turbo kit on it. It started off 200 hor- horsepower NA. Uh, it makes four sixty now on pump gas. <laughs> <laughs> and how many rocks do you get in your shorts when you drive it? Uh, actually not a lot of rocks in your short, but in your hair and the seats, you know, because it's it's actually got plexi panels around it. So there you go. Your grasshoppers are so, kind it's, of a mother. so what he's saying is it's practical. Yeah, absolutely. How big's the trunk? Uh non existent.
1: There you go. That, well, there goes practicality right out the window. And that car weighs Uh
0: the SRA weighs fourteen fifty. Fourteen Mm-hmm. Four hundred sixty horse. Yeah.
1: That's stupid. I love it. I want to go for a ride.
0: <laughs> Maybe we can set something up. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So being that you've you've done this and you owned Redline and you've got rather interesting cars, how, I'm guessing that's how you came to be in touch
0: with so many of the people who own exotics or specialty cars here in town. Well, actually, there's a group in Kansas City called uh, Kansas City Exotic. Uh, It's KC Exotics. And um, I was invited onto it a long time ago. Uh, Really liked Vipers. I've had a couple Vipers, uh, C6Z. So I was invited on that group and we just kind of have contact through there. But also like Rides for Hope KC is not just about all exotic cars. I mean, it's pretty much everything. There's anybody can request for any vehicle. We've actually had requests for a Batmobile, a General Lee. So it's not really just always A ferrari or lambo which i'm not gonna lie there's a lot of requests for them but you know for us it's there's a special car for each particular person so not everybody wants a lambo so what possessed you to start this group uh pretty much my neighbor one day i was just talking to him he's been going through cancer he's had cancer since he was 16 his name is toby uh we're just talking how old is he he's 46 now he's had cancer for 30 years yeah, it just keeps on coming and going and coming and going. So last July 10th would have been his eighth operation to remove cancer. Good grief. So he was going to have... Um, is it just one kind or is it keep morphing and changing? Or It's morphing and changing. So it's kind of gone through different stages and different areas. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And how long ago did you start this? Um, actually, the Facebook portion of it, I just started July 26th. So... Not even two weeks ago. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And how many registered drivers or cars do you have? Registered drivers is pretty hard to come up with at the moment because we just actually launched our web page, which people can come on, which is uh, ridesforhopekc.org. You can okay. go on and pretty much register as a driver or you can actually request, you know, for a drive. And uh, we don't have a full like uh, database up yet, but I would say cars wise, 500 plus drivers are willing to come out at any time. I put three cars on there this afternoon. So uh, uh, nice. 503. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So how do people go about registering for this? And does it cost anything? Uh, no, it doesn't cost anything. Like I said, there, we it's a two-tier system, you know, like on our web page, which is ridesforhopekc.org. You go on and you can either sign up as a driver, just basically give your information and uh, what vehicle you have and if you're willing to to you know give somebody a ride if you know your your vehicle is requested sure or further down it pretty much has a request so let's just say um you know kind of sad reading some of the stories coming in i mean it really kind of hits you right in the gut i'm sure it does you know we ever since we've launched our website you know we keep tabs on pretty much who has been sending in requests and i mean it's all over the page there's six-year-olds battling cancer there's 13-year-olds battling cancer so it's kind of all over the place how many rides have you been able to give so far uh At the moment, just two. Uh, Pretty much the first one was for my neighbor, and then this past Saturday, we actually had a uh, ride for Caden out in Overland Park. What did your neighbor want to go in? My neighbor actually wanted to go in a Lamborghini. No kidding? No kidding. (laughs) And what'd you find for him? Uh, I posted, that one actually is how this all started, and this was probably a month before July, and um, I pretty much just made a post on my personal Facebook page just to say, hey, I haven't neighbor. He's going through cancer. Can anybody actually come out and, you know, give him a ride in a Lamborghini? Or if anybody had any leads, I'd rent a Lamborghini and just, you know, take him for a spin. Sure. But uh, he actually got a ride in uh, Lamborghini, uh, Hurricane, uh, wow. a Lamborghini Huracan Performante. Wow. Good start. It's, yeah, that's not bad at all. <laughs> it's an awesome vehicle. And, uh, you know, before we even went out there, it was kind of funny because he was just like, hey, Chong, what's it feel like to ride in a Lamborghini? I just looked at him like, I don't know. I've never been in one either. <laughs> Now, the Rides
2: for Hope uh, website says you guys serve Kansas City, but are there any plans to uh, to bring it to other cities as well?
0: Um, we, I would personally say I would like to keep it in Kansas City for the moment, but if other cities want to open up different chapters, I'm more for it. I mean, in general, it's all about helping people, in my opinion, and if it puts a smile on somebody else— go for it. Is there any funding for Rise for Hope? Uh, no funding. I pretty much fund everything out of my own pocket at the moment. So any fees and stuff, I pretty much just pay for it out of my own pocket. We might do some t-shirt sales here and there, but for the most part, I feel like I'm happy funding everything by myself. How can the people of Kansas City do more to help Rides for Hope? I believe just spreading awareness and kind of like what somebody else told me earlier. You know, if you open up Facebook, especially if you're a car guy, it's kind of like wide wildfire. It all sure. these posts just keep popping up. So, if you spread awareness and just pretty much share. Or another thing is we have so many people that are in a sense hungry to help other people. We don't have enough requests for rides yet. Sure. So, even finding us, you know, people to help is great, which I think if you're in the hospital industry, you know, medical, you're a doctor, a nurse, a caregiver, I mean, you'll you'll always have that side of, hey, you know i have joe here and his whole life he just wanted to go a ride in a corvette sure well, do you got any uh, any big events planned uh do some promotion for him we do have we uh one of my admin that uh joined our group his name is johnny waddell he actually uh runs national orange popsicle week and yeah he, uh he's gonna actually we have six vehicles that have been selected that are going to be showcased in his event we've had johnny on oh really yes. nice mm-hmm. some fun guy
1: he is he's a great guy um so are you are you planning on going to car events around town i mean that seemed like a great way to make contacts
0: i don't think i i personally i i don't do a lot of car shows but you know for our group i just i think it would network but for the most part you know i would say facebook and everything else is where we're going to find most of our contacts at you know We've been speaking with Chong Nguyen
1: of Rides for Hope KC. Rides for Hope KC can be found at ridesforhopekc.org and on Facebook. And of course, all the information and links can be found on readthedriven.com. Thanks so much for spending your time with Driven Radio. Uh, We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook at Ford slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Vern Estes and Matt hickman and chong win thanks for having me thank you for being here thanks for coming thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on driven radio